Hey, listen up. Yeah, we here and we locked in. Let's keep it going all the way to the top ten. We fear the turtle, so it's no other option. Fred and Ryan, just watch them. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Shell and Tell. Pretty excited. We got a very important guest here, Mr. Marty McNair, on this episode. First, I want to check in with you guys, see how you're doing, let you know what's going on around here. First, wherever you're finding us, wherever you're listening, please rate, review, subscribe, follow us on Twitter, Facebook. It really helps out. It doesn't cost you but a couple seconds of your time and really helps the podcast grow and get to more and more Terps fans. That's what it's all about. Let's grow this. Let's try to get more entertainment out there, more value, get to the younger ears and help the help the the team as much as we can and help enjoy our Enjoy the fanhood that all of us have inside us. If you're listening to this, you are a big-time Terps fan, and just embrace that fact. So just letting you know, um, so those of you who have been keeping track, we've been putting out the Birdland BS episodes. I didn't put out last week's because we were going to record uh, this weekend with Ahmed, our second episode, and a lot of the same things were going to be covered. And I figured the more in-depth version with Fred, I, Ahmed on the long form would be better for you guys than the 20-minute segment off Birdland. Um, so we're going to record this Thursday. Uh, you'll be hearing from us. So by this next weekend, um, you'll be getting getting that in your ears. But I wanted to put this out. We recorded this last week um, and just been kind of waiting for the right time to put it out. Those of you that want to catch that Birdland BS segment, always check out Birdland BS YouTube. You got the full video version there. That'd be uh, really enjoyable for the ones that want to see it. I uh, don't want to spend too much time. I know there's a lot going on with the Terps. I know we got the Ayala announcement. I know we got the Wiggins announcement. But really, how much of an announcement is it? Everyone's keeping all their options open. There's really not that much known. It's all kind of opinion. And so that's what we're going to get into. We're going to dig into that our next episode together and kind of see how I feel, how Fred feels, how Ahmed feels about our chances of getting one, two, or all three guys back. Um, we'll see how that goes. Obviously got a couple new characters in the fold already, but if we don't keep what was already here, we're still got a lot of work to do in the portal. So let's put that on hold for a little bit. I I hope you guys enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I, I was looking forward to this from the moment that I read, uh, the, my child can play. We were in talks as soon as we had our Ellis McKinney interview. If you have not seen the Ellis McKinney interview, Please go back and watch that. That will be episode 19, Looking Back and Moving Forward, was the Ellis McKinney interview. I know we got a lot of new fans around. Uh, if you want to know just more about the Shell and Tell thing, if you came to us you know, from the Ahmed site, just don't haven't really been listening, uh, please go back if you want. Episode zero is our show introductions, tells you a lot about who me and Fred are, why we started doing this, what our goals are with the podcast. Episode one. As uh, Dino Tomlin, um, that's the, was our very first player interview, uh, wide receiver for the Terps and son of Coach Mike Tomlin of the Steelers. Uh, and then, if you just want to be entertained and see that me and Fred like have a good time, a trip to remember is the episode to listen to. Uh, that's a fun, uh, fun memories of our our first road trip. Uh, Fred and I, one of the goals we have is a Big Ten tour to go out and see every Big Ten stadium, and we got to start that out in Minnesota in 2019. Unfortunately, obviously, with the pandemic, did not get to continue our tour, but really hope to get back to it this fall or whenever they let us do that. I think I've talked a little too long. It's time to kick it to me and Marty McNair. 
father of Jordan McNair and founder of the Jordan McNair Foundation. Um, hope you guys enjoy this interview as much as I enjoyed. All right, so I got a very special guest here. Mr. Marty McNair has joined us to tell us a little bit about what's going on with the Jordan McNair Foundation. Welcome, Marty. Hey, Ryan. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. I, I guess the audience needs to kind of know a little bit of background about how this came about. For the people that have been listening a while, they know that um, we had Mr. Ellis McKinney on um, after he graduated, um, and it was during the time where you were putting out a book for Jordan, um, Can My Child Play? And he brought that up as like a special thing to him that he wanted to plug while he was on. Um, and so we reached out uh, to him at first because we didn't have any contact for you. And mm-hmm. so like we want to do something good for, you know, the Jordan McNair Foundation with the podcast. And with your blessing, we're able to raise a decent amount of money just by kind of getting people to promote the episode. Um, so that went, went really well. I, I, I Thank you for letting us do that, first of all. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then after that, I started, got, got my copy of the book and read the book and reached out and told you like, I'm not a reader. This is, I like this format. I like to listen. I listen sure. to lots of educational podcasts on top right. of sports stuff, but I don't read. It's not my thing. Right. Uh, I read that book in one day <laughs> yeah. straight through. It yeah. really was like me and you were sitting at a bar and you were telling me your story. That's, right. that, that's how I saw it. Right. Um, so we've been talking about this for a while. And uh, uh, Marty's finally was uh, at a place where he was willing to come on and was able to have a, a conversation. You got some big things going on, right? Yeah, yeah, actually we do. And, uh, you know, Ryan, like I said, you know, when you your review really of the book was just like the best, man, because, you know, it, like you said, you know, I think your words were, you know, you felt like we had met at Starbucks and we just sat there and talked for hours and I just told you our story. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I want to go ahead and uh, shout out to uh, Ellis McKinney. Uh, the third, you know, it's a junior, his dad's a junior. And, um, you know, one good thing about Ellis, what a lot of people really didn't know, man, was that, you know, Ellis and Jordan grew up together. And Ellis, I always joke Ellis because Ellis was the uh, quarterback on their 5-7 flag football team. And Ellis used to live down the street from us. And, uh, you know, clearly he and Jordan, you know, were, were really good friends or almost like brothers. And I always ask Ellis really to kind of look out for Jordan. When he got to McDonough, you know, Ellis just always had a different level of maturity, you know, always for to be a young person. And I always asked him to kind of look out for Jordan uh, when he was at McDonough in high school. And then, of course, when he got to Maryland, you know what I mean? I, I'd ask him. And, you know, when this kind of went down, Ellis was the, the first person that really stepped up, you know, with some integrity as a teammate and a brother, really, to, you know, we saw some injustices and uh, he spoke up for Jordan. And really, kind of, you know, let some light on really what kind of what really did happen uh, that day that went down. So, you know, I applaud Ellis and and the McDonough guys that were at uh, Maryland at the time, and you know the rest of those brave souls that really stepped up to um, you know help a teammate out. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, nothing surprises me about that, other than maybe the fact that he was a quarterback because at that time <laughs> he was a real big man. But as exactly. we've seen. Yeah. And we've seen him, he's slimmed down pretty quick. Ellis' oh, yeah, yeah. diet plan's on point. Yeah, I got to get some, exactly. I got to get him to talk to me a little bit. How about that? How about <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah, he shed all the weight, right? How about yeah, that? but I mean, you're talking about, you know, I would not surprise me if the future president of the United States standing there. So oh, the extra yeah, level man. of maturity does not shock me. Yeah, his, his future is very, very bright. Uh, yep. And the interesting thing was, you know, when Ellis graduated, you know, he had, I tell people all the time, you know, beyond the fact that Ellis wrote the foreword for Kim My Child Play, but we offered Ellis the first um, executive director's position at the Jordan McNair Foundation. 
he just had a lot of choices. It was either, you know, going to NFL, go to law school or Jordan McNabb Foundation executive director. And, uh, you know, clearly, you know, he, he chose law school. So I think that, you know, those cards were lined up for him all along. Yep. Great young yeah. man. I consider him to be my son as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that it, I, I always told Fred this many times and, and said it, he's going to be successful in whatever he decides to yeah, do. Of course. Of course. Absolutely. So, but, so then you talked talked about a little legal. There's there's some legal things going on with the Jordan McNair Foundation. Tell me what's going on there. Yeah. So one of the things like right now, man, you know, we, we've made a lot of uh, progress throughout the, the, the start of the foundation, man. And the purpose, let me tell everyone, the reason Absolutely. we started. We, the reason we started the foundation was um, from the very first time that uh, uh, Jordan was being recruited. And when we decided to go to Maryland, you know, the coaches came a few days before signing day and uh, they were at, uh, you know, uh, Jordan's house. We were sitting there at the kitchen table. And, you know, I, I like every other parent in America, you know, my only concern was I asked two questions. Can Jordan get a job or can he get some playing time? I'm the typical father. And, you know, I asked, uh, another question regarding, you know, in the event that, you know, overall for all students at the time, what was what was the support systems that, or what systems were in place in regards to mental health, substance abuse, things like that, that young people experience? And those were literally my two questions. So when Jordan got injured, uh, you know, I didn't think to ask, you know, what type of emergency action plans you have in place in the event that my child gets hurt, you know, what's, who's going to do what? You know, will the school still honor his, his uh, scholarship and things like that? You know, I didn't know any of these things. I just assumed that, you know, in the event that anything, you never think your child's going to get hurt. But when Jordan uh, got hurt or he went down, you know, our questioning really didn't start until we got to the hospital. And, of course, you want to know what happened. And you ask certain individuals, you know, hey, you know, has this ever happened on your shift or, or your watch and things like that? But one of the things why Jordan was fighting for his life those two weeks uh, and I talk about this in my book was, you know, what did we miss? And Tanya and I, his mom, you know, we just kept asking, like, we missed something. Like, what did we miss? And if we don't know these things, how many parents in America don't know these things? Because I didn't know what a heat stroke was. I didn't know what a heat related injury was. I didn't I, I didn't know the severity of one. Let me let me rephrase that. And I didn't know that it could be tragic. I thought that if you just got hot, you went in the sun. You know, literally, you got some shade, you cooled down with some water. I didn't know that, you know, when your body temperature blows above 104 degrees, you got a certain window of time really to, you know, act to get it cooled down. But if you don't, you know, literally your, your core temperature is like being in a microwave oven and all your organs start to cook. So that's how we went from a healthy guy Tuesday morning to an emergency liver transplant Friday afternoon. And um, it happened really, really quick. So, but again, we just kept asking ourselves, you know, hey, if we don't know these things, how many other parents? And I wasn't really aware of the uh, young men that had passed as a result of the same type of injury, always on conditioning drills, first two, three days of, of camp or conditioning drills that go down from this type of injury uh, since the year 2000. And we may have been, Jordan may have been 31, uh, the 31st kid. And I was like, you know, I never heard of the first 30. And it was just something that, you know, really like, you know, we we, we wanted to get in front of. And I think, you know, we were really optimistic all the way up until Jordan passed June the 13th of 2018. We were optimistic all the way up until June the 11th. And basically what that looked like was, you know, when you're that sick in the ICU, you know, it's kind of like the ICU shuffle. That's what they call it. You know, you can have one good day, one bad day, one bad shift, one good shift, but you can't have two bad days consecutively. And that's what he had. 
So, you know, we didn't want to compromise his quality of life at that point and, you know, made the decision to, you know, let him go. Um, you know, my grief was so, I mean, I was devastated, but my grief was from a perspective of if I don't do something positive and turn this around, I know my grief will consume me because it was just a lot going on. It was a lot of factors at play. And one of the main things that was really um, uh, challenging for us as a family at that time, we really didn't know what happened. We just kind of were hearing bits and pieces of what happened. And, you know, it was some, some really things going on that came out later. And, um, you know, as a, as a parent, you know, we just talked about having children. And I think as any parent, you know, you want to react when somebody hurts your child, much less they die at the, in their hands. I mean, that's the, you know, how that's, that's the, you're going past the Rubicon. There's no the point in no return at that point. So we just wanted to kind of channel our energies. And I kept saying, you know what, we have to educate other people. Uh, I refuse to not let Jordan's name be in vain or, or not let him die to this type of tragedy without, you know, keep creating some type of legacy. So that's when we started the Jordan McNair Foundation. And, and at that time, you know, our main focus was really to just kind of um, teach young people to listen to their bodies. And as we really got into it, it was more about education. And Ryan, I taught Jordan, you know, everything I could possibly teach him except for what I didn't know. Stand up for yourself. Always be a leader. You know, guess what? Always defend yourself. You know, you're in sports. You're a football player. So, you know, don't take no wooden nickels from anybody. And I never really told him to listen to his body if he felt uncomfortable. Don't do it if you feel uncomfortable. If a coach tells you to do something and you feel uncomfortable, don't do it. And I never sold him that because I never really saw how bad that could go at that time. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite of what you teach people in sports. You know, you exactly. push yourself. You need to push yourself past your breaking point. So you, so it's like this weird dichotomy where you do have to push yourself to get that kind of level, obviously. Right. But exactly. you have to know at a certain point, like that impending feeling of doom, that's actual doom you're feeling. That's exactly. not a, <laughs> you got to know when to stop. Right. Yeah. So yeah, and, you, no, I'm sorry, you go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. <laughs> um, on, on top of all the pre-education you were doing, you were also providing uh, – just in case the emergency ice tubs to yeah. different programs, high schools, low level colleges that can't afford it, that kind of thing. Right. You want to tell some people about that? Yeah. So uh, what we what we did was, you know, we wanted to uh, how could we be impactful at that particular time? And we started donating cold water tubs to uh, I want to say maybe over 250 programs across the nation. We didn't care what sport it was. We didn't care what level of competition it was. I mean, basically, if you called us. And you asked us for a tub, you know, that we were giving away. We had a limit that we had a budget. And it was like, hey, from Alaska to Florida, we gave tubs away. Uh, and that was in 2019. We gave quite a few. We didn't give that many away pre-COVID. But, you know, of course, where there was a need for one, we we had no uh, problems donating one. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah. Um, so then also going on with this, to prevent further, there's a new now a law with your son's name. Uh, in the bill tell us more about that actually it's three so three. Have, yeah man yeah <laughs> Count <right. them> up. <laughs> yeah 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 uh you have uh the jordan mcnair uh safe and fair play act in baltimore city okay. uh 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 mayor brandon young i'm sorry brandon scott uh he was president of a city council at that point and basically what that bill does in baltimore city is that bill basically uh trains anybody so we partnered with parks and recreation in the departments of social of social services and basically anybody that any type of aau program that uses parks and recreations facilities for any types of games practice they have to be trained on all types of emergency action plans 
all types of emergency equipment. So where we come into that is our specialty is heat-related injuries, but they need to be trained on heat-related injuries, CPR, cardiac arrest, how to use an AED machine, and uh, the signs the signs and symptoms of uh, uh, any type of child abuse with social services. So that's the Jordan McNair uh, Youth Safety Protection Act. Then you have the Jordan McNair Act that was already established, but we added Jordan's name to that. And I think Jordan's story really kind of highlighted a lot of young people, especially student athletes, uh, not only at Maryland at that time, but really across the nation. If any of them felt uncomfortable uh, around a, a coach or any type of, you know, athletic athletic personnel that they could make a call anonymously and uh, a hotline to, you know, express those concerns without any type of fear of retribution. And the third one is, uh, which we really got some. Uh, serious motivate. I mean, serious momentum on this year. We didn't last year, but this is the Jordan McNair Safe and Fair Play Act. And this is where student athletes are getting paid for their likeness and their images. And a lot of people, Ryan, didn't understand that. Uh, but however, the health and wellness component is our number one concern. You know, our focus is strictly health and safety and wellness and protection of a student athlete, especially at the collegiate level, but all levels of competition. But the main thing a lot of people, I think, misunderstood about that bill was when you say pay, when you say players are getting paid for their likeness, you know, players aren't literally getting paid, you know, from a, as a professional, you know, to say, hey, we're going to pay you to come to this school. But what that does is uh, that does give a student athlete, if a student athlete was an artist and they sold a piece of art, you know, they could get paid from their image of likeness. If they played in a band, you know, they could go ahead. If they wrote a book, they can get paid, you know, without being um, penalized due to any type of NCAA rules. So I applaud Maryland. I applaud Delegate Learman, uh, uh, Senator Justin Reedy, who uh, worked on this and just stayed, you know, really uh, persistent with this particular bill to um, get it through. We're just waiting on Governor Hogan to sign it. But one of the main things is, like I said, this gives young people an opportunity to uh, be creative and, and be compensated for something that they do outside of the sport that they're on scholarship for. Would this also open up for um, advertising type things if they wanted to pay, you know, a, a current player to, you know, be the shell and tell spokesman or to be something like that? Would that be also be the same thing? Yes. And and yeah, it, right. So we're, we're on the same lines. But I think that keep in mind, you know, one of the things is look at the percentages of young people that actually make it to the professional at a professional level of competition. Tiny. And it's very, very, it's very tiny. So it's not like you're really going to have. A whole squad. I mean, I would love to see some college send that many kids if they had that opportunity, you know, or multiple people if they had an opportunity. But it's not like you're really saying, okay, we got 10 kids over here and we're playing, we're paying all of them to be in a video game. You know, I think as a parent, you know, and I speak for all parents of student athletes, you know, you send your child away to college to, for them, they return better than they were when they left. And that's, you know, academically, you know, ready for the world, you know, emotionally, spiritually, things like that. Uh, and they're ready for the work. They're ready for, you know, the world from a different level of, of preparation. You know, you don't send your student athlete away for them not to come back, no, you know, for them to die, you know, or or come back from a perspective of they had a negative experience that may have impacted their life negatively for the rest of their life through any type of adult. Um, so, again, this is what protects them. You know, guess what? This bill also protects student athletes. Guess what? If they return to play. You know, hey, if a student athlete isn't ready to play, isn't ready to return, they don't have to return. 
you know, how many times have we seen coaches throughout the years and, you know, hey, you can go back and play where in reality, you know, this kid may be seriously injured. And, you know, as a young person, they buy into a student athlete. They'll buy into the concept of saying, hey, I just want to play. I know I'm injured, but I want to play. And that these type of things, these type of protections are put in place with this law to prevent those things from happening. Yeah, it's a, definitely a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you, you bring up again losing your child. Um, obviously, one of the reasons that we couldn't speak originally was that there um, hadn't been a settlement reached with with University of Maryland. No amount of money ever brings back a child, but you also went past that money and you got into, again, more good in the future and, and partnered with Maryland to make sure that you continue to see progress there and hopefully other places. Want to yep. tell us more about the, the, uh, the rest of the settlement, the partnership part of it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, you know, it's public information that, you know, we settled um, from a uh, uh, earlier this year for uh, um, not a disclosed amount. I mean, it was a public amount. But one of the main things that you just said, you know, of course, you know, there's no monetary value to ever replace the loss of a loved one, you know, especially a child. Um, however, I'm just glad that we created something tangible enough to say, you know what, with University of Maryland uh, as an umbrella to say, hey, you know what? You know, we're partnering with the Jordan McNair Foundation and we kind of had some uh, settlement things in place. But the main focus is, you know, beyond the settlement piece is how can we create something significant here that'll be impactful? And what I mean by that is, you know, I'd like to see a Jordan McNair Institute and play at University of Maryland. I think that, you know, um, um, you know, since some changes have been made in, in the athletic department, especially, you know, football team, um, you got uh, uh, Dr. Pines, you got uh, uh, Damon Evans, a uh, wonderful athletic director, and, you know, my very good friend and brother, Coach Loxley. And I just think that overall, you know, Maryland may be one of the safest places to be at as a student athlete because, of course, you know, even though it may have been a tad bit reactionary, they corrected a lot of the things that they needed in place to keep student athletes safe. So I'm just glad that we had created something tangible in regards to the foundation that, you know, whether we had partnered or not, you know, we were still going to keep doing what we were doing. But I'm just glad that we did because, you know, this only really pushes the momentum to really kind of be more successful and impactful in the future. Yeah, from the outside looking in, we've actually had that conversation on the show before where it almost feel like, felt like an uh, overcorrection to like a this crazy level of safety to make sure nothing ever goes wrong. Yeah. And then they built it back to like where they could you know, it's a safe level, but we can still get things done at practice and do things, you know, because at some when it first happened, I'm like, all right, well, someday we have to be able to run again. <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, I remember uh, Ellis and I talked very, you know, we used to talk every, every week, you know, he, he just kept me as, as, as much uh, as just the same as I kept him. And, um, you know, I was, I'd always ask him like how the coaches treat everybody. And, you know, because I never stopped being a father that cared. And and again, you know, and, and even when people ask me, you know, how do you do business with Maryland? I mean, why not? If Jordan was still there, you know, I still got to keep his legacy going. But I remember Ellis was telling me one time, he was like, you know, all the coaches are like yoga instructors right now. You know, and I'm <laughs> like, eh, I wonder how long that's going to last. But, you know, yeah. that was the temperament at that particular time, you know, what needed to be done. Yeah, I think that's like you said, the, the immediate reaction is what had to be done. Yeah. I was as the fan, I was sitting here going, I really hope this isn't forever, but right. I get it. Right, I get right, it. right, right. Um, 
Yeah, we need um, somebody yelling and throwing cheers, right? Exactly. I mean, you or know, you know, just up. it's 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 a rough sport. <laughs> it's, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of physical attributes needed. Yeah. So it's yeah. you know, at some point, you got to learn that whether it's at practice or on the game, they're going to teach you something. Exactly, and, and I just <laughs> think those, and I applaud those young men because that time was very, very, very an extremely emotional and traumatic time for young people, man. And and I just was so sorry that those guys had to see really the world isn't such a nice place after all. But, you know, eventually you see some of that as you grow up or as you experience life. I just was a little kind of I was I felt for those guys because they had to see it such a, at an early age. So I wasn't planning on going here, but were you huh? were you watching the Texas game? Did you see that? Yeah, I, I, I think I did. Actually, I, you know what? Let me tell you, man, I it, it got very, very emotional for Tanya and I. <laughs> You know, especially, you know, when, when they came out waving the flag, when they yep. came out, you know, with the jerseys and, you know, even when the first down, you know, they, they literally, you know, had an empty space there with Jordan would have been, man. It, it was just, you know, no other way better to honor a teammate that way. So it was a lot of tears for me. And I'm not the guy that cries easily, but I mean, it, it was very emotional for me. Yeah, you, know, you can tell that. Those games. You could tell that that was a different game for those guys, man. They, yeah, they man. really play their heart out for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I was talking to someone yesterday and we was I was talking about how we uh, you know, lost Ohio State by one point and I'm like, you know what? I just think that these, those guys played their hearts out that year. That was an emotional victory. So I, I to me, that was a victory just the same. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the number of wins didn't show quite how great that year was because it yeah. was there were so many so yeah. many times where it was they were playing above and beyond what they different type of motivation at that time. Exactly. Yeah. Correct. Totally agree. Um, so there also is a Jordan McNair scholarship. Is that what to tell me what that's about? Yeah. So what we did was, you know, initially uh, early on, um, what we did was, you know, we've always, you know, tried to help young people out. That's what we do, you know, and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, student athletes that, you know, may have, especially at McDonough, you know, Jordan's alma mater uh, that were, you know, en route to college and, you know, guys from the football team and, and just young people in general. You know, we always made sure that, you know, we would always give something to um, uh, to them, you know, on their way to college. And, you know, again, it, w- it was no thousands and thousands of dollars, but it may have been, you know, a couple five, quite a few five hundreds, you know, to just say, hey, some two fifties to say, hey, you know what, here's some money for some books, you know, some pocket money. Just, you know, hey, we know how it is being a college student. It can be somewhat challenging financially. So every little bit helps. And we always try to bless people along the way. Okay. And then the other thing I read about was the health and safety board that you're that you're a part of with University of Maryland now. Yeah, man. So uh, I'm excited because, you know, really a lot of these things that are happening are uh, almost serendipitous in regards to uh, the connections that we're making. So what I did was I went and got uh, quite a few people that, you know, were a part of the story. And um, what I mean by the story, you know, our, the gentleman is heading the um, our medical advisory board is uh, Dr. Rod Walters. So Dr. Rod Walters was the first um, uh, independent investigator that came in and and investigated Jordan's death. And, you know, he and I kind of stayed in touch, but, you know, really one of the main things that you don't really want to do, especially if it's any type of litigation, you don't want to sit there and try to create any type of um, relationships that could really be perceived as collusion or something like that. So we had always stayed in touch and, you know, it was always like, look, you know what, as soon as we settle, you know, I'm going to come back, reach back and get you because I would love to, you know, he expressed, he loved to do some work with us. And I just kind of had a bigger picture of, you know, what we could do. Um, so our medical advisory board is, is, is comprised of 
uh, five medical professionals from uh, sports medicine, orthopedics, uh, and two athletic certified athletic trainers, uh, one from D.C., uh, another one from Virginia. And, uh, man, we're just really sitting here, you know, working on the things that will make a difference. And the main thing is, you know, our main focus is prevention, uh, awareness, education and prevention of this type of injury, because, uh, you know, a heat stroke isn't bad. You know, that's just a part of a part of, you know, being an athlete. It can happen. A mismanaged heat stroke is the bad part. And that's when it becomes tragic. And that's just not having the right preventive measures in place and not knowing what to do when these types of things are not recognizing the signs and symptoms of this type of injury. Um, unfortunately, you know, people don't know, especially locally, you know, we've literally lost over 20 kids last year across the nation at the high school level and not all from heat stroke, but again, heat stroke, cardiac, cardiac arrest, things like that. So, you know, young people are still kind of going down. And a lot of times in the heat stroke scenarios, it was always one common denominator. People weren't prepared or they just weren't educated in regards to, you know, what they should have been doing. Yeah, absolutely. So with, um, you got the scholarship, the medical board, any other pieces of this that I'm missing? Man, you know what? We're always, um, you know, the, the, the political arena is, is the main thing, you know, and, and one of the things for me, Ryan, I literally spoke to a lot of, you know, we've educated thousands of people, you know, since Jordan's, Jordan's passing. And one of the things that I kept asking myself initially was like, how can we be impactful? So if I go to a school and I speak to 500 kids and a hundred coaches, and, and one of the main things that I always asked myself was, yeah, it feels good to share our story and you can kind of get through the young people. But the main thing is, you know, what's going to make it stick or what's going to make them implement anything that I just said. And one of the things that we realized was, you know, policy and legislation, policy and legislation really is the key. So the main thing is we have to put a lot of these things or protective measures into law, you know, and that's the only way that we can protect everybody. Because if we don't, guess what? We'll burn ourselves out just by trying to talk, 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 as opposed to, hey, you know what? I'd rather run through 51 states and say, let's get these laws passed uh, in regards to this player safety. But the thing is, we want to get it passed at all levels of competition. So from AAU all the way up to a collegiate level, these are the things that we need to have in place right now. So legislation has really been big for us. Uh, we intend to do a whole lot more with that. Um, I can't really speak on you know, my next big thing, I guess you'll have to see it in the media, but, you know, one of the things is, you know, how can we sit here and get more value of a student athlete or increase the value? Because a lot of people don't even know, uh, in regard to the way right now, you know, all they have, they make hundreds of millions of dollars, but, you know, it's only a $10,000 life insurance policy for every student athlete. So it's like that's all the student athletes life is worth. But his organization that makes, you know, millions and millions of dollars. And, you know, you see the value of what and I hope no other parent has to find that out. But we found it out the hard way. So, you know, those are things that we want to increase and just uh, empower student athletes really to see their true value. Oh, man. Yeah, that's that's a very interesting number that I don't think many people know. And and as someone in the medical field, it's it's kind of always shocked me how little medical personnel is required anywhere like i mean you look at an nfl game and they have neurologists and paramedics and registered nurses and all these people there you go one step down and they got an athletic trainer and then you go another step down and you got nobody <laughs> it's like I know. 
I, I, it's just unbelievable. Like the levels, there's there's a lot of places in the middle <laughs> that Man, we could be adjusting that there. Totally agree. I, uh, you know, you had Corey Stringer in the NFL. You know, Corey had a heat stroke many years ago, and that was the last time it happened in the NFL. But again, at the college level, you know, it's just like okay, you would think that you know when does it stop? I'm just kind of glad that uh, you know it was. I'm not, you know, of course, and and I don't mean this literally, but. I'm just glad that I was in a position where I was always an advocate and, you know, somebody I could take the reins to say, you know what, we're going to make a difference here. And I'm just glad that, you know, I was in a position to do that. So uh, because, again, you know, unfortunately, if if I hadn't done it, you know, would it still be going on? You know, we're losing we were losing two to three kids per year uh, just from predictable statistics at the NCAA level or the collegiate level. And it always happens. Always remember, young people don't die in games. The numbers are very low. Young people always pass doing conditioning and yeah. doing practice, you know, and it's always that, you know, and it's not that you have to give young people or student athletes at least seven to 14 days to acclimate to any type of workout, any type of outside conditions. You know, kids just don't come back to practice and say, hey, I'm going to go in and run these intensive drills or these intensive uh, workouts without some type of uh, negative side effects. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to plug? Anything else you want to say before we wrap this up here? Oh, man, I always plug my book. Uh, you know, please, I think that... Uh, this it, one? It, yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, that one right there. Uh, I always encourage everybody, you know, please purchase uh, a copy of Can My Child Play? And I just think that, you know, really it was very important for people to really know our story, uh, me, Jordan, and his mom, Tanya, um, to know our story, to really kind of see, like, you know, who Jordan was. And I just think that, you know, Tanya and I, you know, we really were, uh, we co-parented, you know, very, very well to, uh, you know, to raise a successful son that, you know, literally, you know, this change in the world. Um, and then also, I just encourage everybody, please go to our website, the jordanmcnairfoundation.org. We're always doing some really, really cool. We had to get uh, very innovative during COVID and uh, as far as fundraisers and stuff like that. So we're always doing Peloton rides. You know, we're always doing something, something, something. But our biggest thing now, we have a, a, a cute dog photo, a cute doggy photo contest. So that's our next fundraiser. You can go on our website, on our social media pages to get more information. So every if you're listeners, you got a cute dog and you think he's cute and you think your friends will vote for him, uh, please register, you know, he or she to the uh, to the contest. And uh, you, please follow us. Uh, on uh, jordanmcnairfoundation.org, Facebook, Jordan McNair Foundation, Twitter, JMAC Foundation, and Instagram, uh, Jordan McNair Foundation. All right, man. Well, I, you know, I I can't thank you enough for joining us. And I'm for such a tragic incident, I'm glad it ended this way. There could have been a lot of really negative ways for this to be. This could have been, you know, negative for you, negative for the school, negative for everybody. And I, I think that the best really so far has been made out of it. I really hope it keeps going in that direction. And I uh, can't wait to see what you guys got in store. Yeah. Hey, Ryan, I'm, and, and let me say this one more before I go. You know, one okay. of the main things, you know, and you mentioned the term negative and And believe me, you know, one of the main things that, you know, I, I try to stay as optimistic as I can. And guess what? You know, me putting an ounce of negative energy would not bring Jordan back. And that's the main thing. It's like, you know what, why put that there when we can just use a lot of positive energy to save the life of someone else? Yeah, that, well, I, I think I think you've definitely done that. I think you'll continue to do that. Thank you, sir. Well, there you have it, guys. That was the whole interview. 
that was a lot of fun, man. I felt exactly during that interview as I felt reading the book. I read the book and I was like, it was so easy to read. It was hard to put down. I just blew through it. And it was just like, it was Marty and me sitting in a bar and he was just telling me his stories. Like you've been there with an old friend that you just get to catch up and and feel like you were there during the stories or just even that connection you have with a stranger every once in a while where you're just you're in the same place and in the same zone and can kind of understand and empathize with what's going on amazing sometimes you have a connection with somebody and you know marty and me have never met but it just he just feels like you know an old soul somebody you can hang out with drink a beer smoke a cigar um and he 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 takes all of this in stride, and I think he's a really good example to everybody to show the negative things in your life don't always have to be negative, as he said. Um, hopefully, you all enjoyed it. Hopefully, you took some lessons from it. You know, it was a terrible time to be a Terp fan. It was a terrible time to to see what was going on around the program. But really, we've kind of phoenixed this, man. We've risen from the ashes, and we're better off for it. And... I hope it stays that way. I think that's the perfect time. Until next time, here's to wishing all is well under the show.